0: Pastor Ed Taylor says, don't be surprised if God uses the pain in your life.
1: Those of you that experience separation and divorce, the searing pain, those of you that are single parents, how can you not think of the single parents in your life? Those of you that are financially strapped and and just struggling for work and hard to pay the bills, how can you not immediately want to reach out to someone else that's struggling just like you? That's where Jesus is here Hey, God says, I have been glorified and I will be glorified again. Those are powerful words. And God will be glorified in the good in our lives, and God will be glorified in the pain of our lives, and we will be used. This is amazing grace.
0: more from pastor ed taylor in just a moment and this is abounding grace if you knew you only had a few hours to live what would you do for those last precious moments a lot of people would probably enjoy a big meal travel or spend time with family when jesus christ knew that the time had come for him to be arrested and crucified what did he do he prays that the father would be glorified One of the best ways to understand the heart of Jesus Christ is to look at the things he did in the last hours of his life when he knew he was about to be crucified. Let's do that now with Pastor Ed. We're in John chapter 12 today.
1: For us, in order for us to gain the perspective of the Holy Spirit here to see things as a light affliction, we have to understand They're just for a moment. It's just for a moment. It's just for a moment. Notice this light affliction, verse 17, is working what? For us. You might want to mark that if you haven't already. They're working for us, not against us. A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You see... As we gain the eternal purpose through suffering and we recognize the cause for which we've come into the world for God to use our lives to glorify his name, to point people to the cross of Jesus Christ, to the resurrection power that comes by faith in him, God is working out his eternal purposes and his eternal plan through our temporary pain and afflictions that we face in a sin-sick world. And as I see it in light of eternity then there's that final submission of Jesus and through my submission to the Father, he is glorified through my life. Now, we are perfectly okay with God glorifying himself through our lives without pain. And we embrace that. And we're perfectly okay, man. Things are going great. I've got the promotion at work. All my bills are paid. My relationship is strong. God, glorify your name in our lives. And we cry out for it. And yet we have to have the same perspective when things don't go our way. When we face the trials and tribulations that are promised to all of us. You know what, Father? My life is yours. You bought me with your blood. I belong to you. In the good times, and the bad, naked I came into this world, Job said. Naked I will leave. Hey, Lord, blessed be the name of the Lord. That's the perspective that Jesus gives us here in his own life through humanity. Jesus goes in his prayer from save me from this hour to the submission, Lord, glorify thy name. And we would do well to follow in his footsteps. And though it bring pain and suffering to me, Lord, glorify your name. That's true submission to the will of God. And I think it's so important for us that we come to the place where we submit our issues to the Lord. Lord, you work. God, you glorify your name. Then we experience true peace. Lord, whatever you want... You know, as a new believer, that was your prayer. (laughs) In those early days of being saved, your prayer was whatever you want, Lord. I give you my whole house. I give you everything that I have. Search every part of my life and whatever you want. But over time, something happens and it's no longer whatever you want, Lord. Now it becomes whatever you want, but I don't want to hurt. And whatever you want, but I don't want any pain. Whatever you want, but I can handle this. And, oh, it would do well for us to come back to that place of submission say, God, whatever you want in my life, I'm yours. And if this suffering is serving an eternal purpose, then fine, Lord, use it, and I'll accept it. And if this trial is going to bring about eternal benefits, then fine, Lord, I submit to you. Paul the Apostle, in writing his second letter to the Corinthians, he says this. I'll read it to you from the New Living Translation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Because it's not just an eternal purpose. There's also a purpose in the here and now. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 3 he says, All praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the source of every mercy and the God who comforts us. He comforts us, verse 4, in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When others are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. You can be sure that the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. So when we're weighed down with troubles, it is for your benefit and salvation. For when God comforts us, it's so that we in turn can be an encouragement to you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. You know, it's really hard for us to truly comfort and sympathize with someone without having faced some similar painful experience the painful experiences of our lives break our hearts and open up channels for the holy spirit to flow through us in his agape selfless love in ways that nothing and no one else could ever do and it's difficult for us to be able to connect with someone really close unless we face some painful experience it's challenging to really understand the pain and the hurt unless you've been there Now, that's not to say that you can't serve someone, and it's not to say that you can't open the Scripture with someone if you haven't experienced what they've gone through. You can, and you should. But when you've gone through it, your heart immediately is connected with them because you've received comfort. And now the comfort you give is not just a hopeful comfort, but it's hope within reality because you've experienced it. It's your life that you're sharing. And when you've been there, and you've experienced that blessed work of the Holy Spirit in comforting your heart and strengthening you to go through and helping you to take the next step, then you can comfort someone else because you've been through it. So it's not just an eternal plan that God is working out, but he's actually using the present condition and the things that trouble our soul and the cup that we none of us want to take, he's actually using it in the present time as well as a tool to draw people to himself. Remember Jesus, he said, as I'm lifted up, I'll draw people to to myself. Now oftentimes we'll use that, and some churches will use that kind of in their worship service. Okay, everybody, let's lift Jesus up and he'll be here and he'll draw us to himself. That's actually not what Jesus said at all. Now, I do believe the scriptures when it says that God inhabits the praises of his people. But when he's lifted up, he's not speaking of hyped up emotional worship. He's saying, look, when I die, people are going to be attracted to me. When I rise again from the dead, people will see the value and the weight of eternity upon their lives. When they look upon my life and my death and innocence and that God from heaven would love us so much he'd send his own son to die for us, that will draw people to me. And so it is true in the things that you face. Isn't it true? You have gone through some tragedy and some difficulty. And now through the tragedy and difficulty, you find yourself as a magnet to people that have gone through what you've gone through. It just, they seem to come to you. They seem to seek you out. You faced one particular pain, and now all of a sudden you've got three or four people going, finding out your story and wanting to come to you for what? The comfort that you've received from the Lord. The hope that you've received. The strength that you've received. I mean, it's true. It's to be expected. You really begin to comfort people that have gone through it, even even though you may not welcome that part of ministry in your life. You're connected to people from now on through your pain. I mean, I think of it in my own life. Every time I hear of a family that have lost a loved one, a mom, a dad, my heart immediately is connected with them, even if I don't know them. Immediately. Even more so when I hear of a family tragically losing a child. My heart is immediately connected with them. I mean, it just sinks down deep. I grasp a sense. Not to entirety, but I grasp a sense and a part of what they're feeling the searing pain of emptiness and loss, the aches in their throat, the sleepless nights, the bitterness of tears, the hopelessness. I I can touch a little bit of that. He's opening up channels in your life that you might be used in a way that you've never been used before. That may not take away all the pain and it certainly doesn't. And And it may not comfort you all that much today to think, you know, I would rather be used of the Lord in a different way. But we're reminded of what Paul says, this light affliction it's just for a moment and your heart is connected. You know, how can you not be connected with those that have experienced what you're going through? How can you not be connected and want to speak forth the love and the hope and the patience and the faith that God has shown you? How can you not be connected with those that you have, have know that you've walked down a similar road? And our hearts go out to those that have lost loved ones. Our hearts go out that are separated from their kids and their grandkids in a way that doesn't please the Lord. Our hearts go out. They connect. Those of you that experience separation and divorce, the searing pain. Those of you that are single parents. How can you not think of the single parents in your life? Those of you that are financially strapped and and just struggling for work and hard to pay the bills. How can you not immediately want to reach out to someone else that's struggling just like you? You. That's where Jesus is here. Hey, God says, I have been glorified and I will be glorified again. Those are powerful words. And God will be glorified in the good in our lives and God will be glorified in the pain of our lives and we will be used. Now, back in John chapter 12, notice in verse 31, there's a neat little uh, encouragement here where it says, now the judgment of this world, now the ruler of this world will be cast out. At the cross, Satan was defeated. He was rendered powerless. He was defeated. Paul would write to the Colossians that he was rendered ineffective. And so we ask, well, well, man, why is he such a hassle today then? If he's been rendered ineffective, why is he such a hassle? Well, each time you and I choose to compromise in sin, we give a foothold to the devil. We then give back power to him through our bad decisions. You see, right now, in the midst of your addiction, you are free in Jesus Christ. Right now, in the midst of your anger, you are free in Jesus Christ. In every form of the flesh, in every temptation of the devil, you are strong and free in the Lord. Why? Because at the cross, the the ruler of this world is going to be cast out. The work of Jesus has been done. Remember that. And be careful with all these decisions that you make. That this is, this is the freedom that comes by faith in Jesus Christ. Now, verse 34. In, in light of this, notice how the people responded. Verse 34. The people answered him, We have heard from the law that Christ remains forever. And how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus said to them, A little while longer the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. This question isn't a genuine question. They've taken the life-giving words of Jesus and made it into a theological argument. And oftentimes people will do that. The life-saving words of Jesus Christ, if they, will place, if they will die to themselves, place their faith in Jesus Christ, their whole eternity will be changed. And what's their question? Hey, wait a minute. I thought the Bible said that this was gonna happen and this was gonna happen. I thought the Bible said that this, who is this son of man and what is this all about? They refuse to believe. And I like how Jesus doesn't even get into the argument. He just repeats the same thing a different way. Hey, the light is here. Walk in the light. Do it now while you can. Darkness is coming. And he he strongly, as he will at the end of the chapter, reminds them of the opportunity of life that's right before them. Be careful when you're faced with truth, not to turn it into some theological argument or to ask endless questions, endless questions of something that you already understand. Now, there are places for good solid questions that will help you understand something. But there's no place for the types of questions that keep pushing away, pushing away. The Bible describes a group of people that are always learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Be careful there. The gospel couldn't be plainer, that you and I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that we have been separated from God by our own sinful actions. And because of that separation, God in his great love for us sent his own son Jesus Christ to fulfill all the promises that he made previously but also to make available to you through his death and resurrection the only way of salvation available that your sins and mine can be forgiven that you and I will not have to live with the burden of guilt any longer that we can have eternal life both in the future but also now that life can have meaning that can have eternal purpose That today, if you'll turn your life away from sin, you'll repent of your sins and submit your life to Jesus Christ. The Bible says you will be saved. The Bible actually says it this way. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus would put it this way. While, verse 36, you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. And then verse 37, but although he had done so many signs before them, they didn't believe in him. They refused to believe. They received the teaching and the validation through signs and wonders, and they refused to believe. So that the word of Isaiah would be fulfilled, verse 38, that he spoke, Lord, who's believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, Because Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they should see with their eyes and understand with their heart, lest they should turn so that I should heal them. And these things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Now, that's a troubling verse, isn't it? Verse 39. For some of you, it should be troubling. They came to a place where they could not believe. You go, wait a minute, what's that all about? Why couldn't they believe? Because they refused to believe. And each time you harden your heart, your heart gets harder. And there's even the time where like Pharaoh, you remember back in the Old Testament in Exodus, Pharaoh hardened his heart before God. God sent him a messenger, Moses, with a message and signs and wonders. And each time in response to the message of God and the validation of God, Pharaoh hardened his heart. What happened to a hardened heart? Then God hardened his heart. And then Pharaoh hardened his heart and God hardened his heart. And before you know it, Pharaoh was so hardened that he could not believe. And this is a warning to those of you that have hardened your heart. There will come a time when you cannot believe. Your heart will be so hard you won't believe. There'll be no room for softness anymore. It's been said that the same sun, the heat of the sun, that melts the wax is the same sun that will harden the clay. And it really becomes the substance that God has to work with. And today the Bible says, if you will hear his voice, today is the day of salvation. While you can hear and while you're still interested and while there's hope, today is a day of salvation. And in just a few minutes, you'll have an opportunity to respond to the invitation, to turn away from your sin and to turn toward Jesus Christ. Notice in verse 44, or excuse me, verse 42. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. That's good, many believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they didn't openly confess him lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. That's a tragedy. Some of you believers, because of the environment, you're out at college or you're at school or you're at work and you believe, but you refuse to confess because you're afraid and you have the fear of man in you. And I just pray the Lord would remove that from you. That you would see the hope of heaven in other people's lives that you wouldn't worry about. In this case, they liked the praise of men. They liked the accolades of men. They liked men to pay attention to him. And they knew when they confessed Jesus Christ, many people would turn. And I wonder if Nicodemus wasn't a part of this group for a while. We know later on he comes out and he openly confesses. I wonder if Joseph of Arimathea wasn't a part of this group for a while. Because we know later on he will openly come out and confess after his death, Jesus' death and resurrection. But I wonder really if you're one of these For you believe, but you won't confess because you're afraid of man and you're afraid of what man might do. Jesus put it this way. Hey, don't you worry about fearing man that can put your body to death. You fear God that can put your, both your body and soul. You be, you fear God and he'll take care of the rest. The Bible says, if your ways, if my ways please the Lord, that he can make even our enemies be at peace with us. You have nothing to be ashamed of with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul declared that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation for all that believe, for the Jew first and first, and then for the Greek. That means basically a statement, all of us can be saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Don't be like these guys where they believed, but they wouldn't confess. What makes you wonder what kind of relationship they really had And hopefully after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, they drop their fear and live with boldness. Then Jesus cried out, verse 44, He who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I don't judge him. For I did not come to the world to judge, but to save the world. Verse 48, he who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command that I should, of what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. For John, his last recorded message of Jesus Christ is evangelistic, reminding hey. I come with a message. You believe in me, you believe in the Father. This is true salvation. And and he talks about four times he uses the word judge in this section because the gospel includes heaven and hell. The gospel message includes eternal life and eternal death. The gospel message, message includes forgiveness and sin. And Jesus says, hey, it's not me that judges. My words that I've shared with you The decisions that you make, they weigh on judgment against you. But while it's light, follow the light. Follow. Don't willfully choose not to believe. The more you harden your heart and reject the gospel, the easier it will be to live in that hardness and rejection. Judgment is a reality, but Jesus didn't come to judge. He came to give life, to save you, to rescue you, to help you. But if the sinner doesn't repent, then Jesus Christ the Savior becomes Jesus the judge. And forever he will judge everything by the cross. That will be the epicenter of all judgment will be the cross of Jesus Christ. And he ends his ministry with the promise that he who embraces his word, his public ministry now is ended with the word that if you believe, you'll have eternal life. No more multitude messages from now on. From the rest of the way of our study throughout the end, the last, you know, we're in the last week of Jesus. It's the last half of the Gospel of John, but it only really covers seven days of the life of Jesus. The last part of this book in the next four or five chapters will be all Jesus Uh, discipling his disciples, preparing him from what's up ahead, preparing him for his departure, talking about what's known as the upper room discourse. We have Jesus there washing feet in the next chapter, what true service is like, the authority of God's word. He's going to prepare them and prepare us for the last days, for the days of which we won't have the presence of Jesus any longer. We have the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit, but we also await the soon return of Jesus Christ. So read ahead and study ahead, and be open for a work of the Spirit in your life. For some of you, I recognize it's very hard. It's going to be very hard until you meet Jesus face-to-face. That has been the lot of your life, but there is an eternal perspective that God would have us to gain, and there's also a timely now perspective that God would give to us, and I'm just personally encouraged. I was putting this together and coming back from the trip, and then I was rereading my notes and preparing for it and making little note changes. And, and then it wasn't until last night when I was teaching where the Holy Spirit was just speaking to my heart of this one verse in verse 28 that the Father would look at my life and yours and say, I have glorified my name in your life, Ed, and I'll glorify it again. That's something you can hold on to. You can put your name in there. I have glorified. The Father says, I'm glorifying my name through your life, and I still will. You're like, wow, Lord. That's pretty encouraging.
0: Thanks for joining us today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Tanner. You'll find us on the web at aboundinggraceradio.com. It's there you can replay any program you enjoy. We've also made it super easy to donate to the ministry through our website and contact us too. Speaking of which, we'd sure like to hear from you. Let us know what you think of our current study and if you're finding these daily studies helpful to your walk. We'd also very much appreciate your support as we present Abounding Grace here over the radio and internet. Again, go to AboundingGraceradio.com. Today, we want to suggest a book that can help take your prayer life up to the next level. It's E.M. Bounds on Prayer. These reflections on prayer have been treasured for well over a hundred years. When you read about the powerful ways God works through prayer, you'll understand why this book has been so well-received. We'll send you a copy of E.M. Bounds on Prayer as our thank you for your donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Just call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's toll-free, 877-30-GRACE. You can also order it through our e-store at calvaryco.store. Well, that's all the time we have for this edition of Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you next time, and may God richly bless you with His Abounding Grace.
1: This is amazing grace.